I was in my former life before I met my wife while I was wandering, but God was with me. I was at uh, I was a construction supervisor. Uh, if you can believe it, I was the worst construction supervisor in the world. I was in Galveston uh, overseeing a man's beach house, and so I lived at the Home Depot essentially, and. I remember one time in particular, <clears throat> I was being helped by a really nice gentleman, older, sort of like a handlebar mustache, uh, salt, salt and pepper hair. He had a, one of those red vests on or something, and I guess it might have been orange. He was at Home Depot, but he was in a wheelchair, and he was just wheeling around. He was obviously worked there. He was wheeling me around, helping me find stuff, talking to me, and we talked about all sorts of stuff. I was there for 10 or 15 minutes, I guess. And we got to the checkout line. And I just think I remember before that I had talked about God. And I mean, I, I'm pretty much always talking about the Lord or whatever. Anyway, so I hadn't shied away from religion or, or God or the scriptures even perhaps, but I had not. So when we got to the checkout, I said the name of Jesus for the, I think for the first time I said, Jesus, and I remember as soon as I said that word, his face flushed, two things happened. His face flushed red, and he promptly wheeled back with his, with his hands. He wheeled his wheelchair back twice backwards, so two pushes backwards from me. And as I remember it, that was sort of the end of our time together. Um, but I'll never forget that, partly because it was when I said the name Jesus, and also because, because he was in a wheelchair, it was so obvious. He literally had to wheel backwards twice, but it's like the name of Jesus has power. Jesus has power to save and to offend. And that's exactly what we should expect because that's exactly what he said. He said, I've not come. He came, he came to save, but he also came to judge. His judgment is, um, it's being forestalled for a time until he returns. Um, although when we, when we die, we will go before him. But the great, the great judgment, he is forestalling until um, he returns and finishes evil and judges people on their own merits if they do not hide in him by faith and then judges um, those of us who do trust in him by his merits and then judges and then um, surveys our lives and, and, and give, we have to give an account, all of us, for everything we've done. But um, for now, now is a time of mercy where we get to call people to flee to Christ, but one day he will... Um, he will come as judge and save those of us who are his and, and judge those who, um, who've not submitted to him and have rebelled against him. And so, and who have not accepted his mercy and grace. So, um, either way, the point is there that, um, Jesus brings freedom and he alone saves, but he also brings a sword. He divides households. And sometimes people's reaction to him is to be repulsed. And this man was religion, is particularly repulsed by Jesus. Religion hates Jesus. We see that here in this text in Acts 21, 17 through 36. Um, religion hates Jesus because religion is all about um, doing certain things to measure up to God so that we essentially put God or the gods in our service and say, look, I've done these things. Now you owe me to do these things. It's a transaction. G- uh, the gospel, the good news of Jesus blows that up. You can't do anything. Therefore, I've done everything. Come to me trust in me, give me your life. So we no longer have this transactional thing. 
Um, God doesn't owe us anything. He owes us hell. But what he's given us in Christ is life. Um, in deep satisfaction and being restored and being brought home and um, back, back to the lover of our souls. And so um, religion hates that because it loses its perceived ability to control um, and for God to owe it and, and to do these things and to clean oneself up in these ways um, so that God and others might owe us. <clears throat> So we see that just rife here, uh, just sort of explodes onto the scene when Paul returns after his third missionary journey from, uh, from that journey. Uh, he, he returns from Greece and Turkey, and he, he comes back to Jerusalem. He's been warned to stay away. He knows he's going to be locked up. He knows, he knows he's going to be enchained and put on trial. Um, chained up and put on trial, and he indeed is, but he believes that that's God's will for him. And he probably sees himself going the way of Jesus. I mean, he indeed does, but you know, Jesus set his face like flint to go to Jerusalem because he knew that he was on mission to die in our place as our sin sacrifice, as our substitute. And so that's, you know, Jerusalem, as Jesus said, is where all the prophets go to die because it's the most religious city. And so religion hates, hates God. Um, in a sense, now that I don't speak in terms of the true religion, if I can use that term, because the true religion is revealed to us through the person and work of Jesus Christ. It is, it is the Judeo-Christian faith. It's the gospel as enunciated and articulated and revealed um, through, through the prophets and apostles um, in the scriptures, but through the person of Jesus Christ. But I'm, I'm talking about um, works-based, um, curing, curing favor through works with, with God in, in various ways. That's every other religion on the face of the planet in history, aside from the true religion. But, um, so Paul probably thinks that he's going to Jerusalem to die and he's fine with that. He's honored to take tread the same road as his, as his master. Um, we know that Acts continues on from chapters 21, 22, and 23, uh, on to the chapter 28, where Paul, um, in those chapters is arrested and then held in Jerusalem and then um, taken to Rome and, and then held there. Um, and that's where the book of Acts ends. But all the while he's, he's preaching the gospel. He's not, uh, he's not rendered ineffective. He's constantly, wherever he is, to whomever is there and whoever, whomever will listen, preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. And he does so super effectively in Jerusalem, en route to Rome and in Rome. Um, but I think the main, the main point, while the main point here is, is sort of in my opening illustration, which is <clears throat> that religion hates Jesus and the people just go berserk. They go nutso uh, when Paul comes to town and they say, man, you've been polluting Judaism. You've been teaching people to hate the Mosaic law, uh, that you've been teaching people that we don't need circumcision, all these things that are precious to us um, that really identify us as a people, so they think you're treading on you're as a Jew and that's atrocious. And he's, that's not true at all. Right. Um, there is, there are seeds of truth in that as there are in every lie. Paul did say, you don't need to be in Galatians. It's there in glaring print. You don't need to be circumcised to be a child of God. Um, the circumcision of the, of the foreskin is a circumcision. It's a, a picture of, of a necessary circumcision that only God can do, and that's the circumcision of the heart. To take our hearts of stone and make them hearts of flesh is a heart surgery, a soul surgery that only God can do, and it happens through faith in Christ. As God, we believe on Christ as our fall guy, 
living the life that we should live and, and haven't and dying the death on the cross that we deserve in our place and then rising again to a new kind of life. And we, when we believe on him, we're united to that death, to our sin and that, to that new life. And that new life comes to live in us in the very person of the Holy Spirit, God himself, bringing us into the Godhead. And so, <coughs> excuse me, um, this is what Paul preached, but it, it didn't mean that he, he, you know, in Romans 9 and elsewhere, he says, look, the Jews have been given the oracles of God, the very things that have led us to faith in Christ, the, the promised Messiah in the Old Testament scriptures. The Jews have had these and, and are to have given them to the world. They are to have preached the good news to the world that God uh, considers us righteous through faith in his promise. That's all the way, that's not New Testament, that's all the way back to Abraham, Genesis fifteen six. That's in the, in the minor prophet Habakkuk. The just shall live by works? No. The just shall live by faith. Faith in who God is and what he said he's going to do preeminently through the one he's going to send to save us, and that ends up being Jesus. And Paul meets Jesus on the road to Damascus and is thoroughly convinced of that and goes on to give that story over and over again from here on forward through the book of Acts. But I think that's the, well, that's the main point that Jesus, that religion hates Jesus and Jesus alone brings freedom and saves. Um, you see a lot of really important principles here, sort of life principles embedded in this text. Like, <clears throat> so first let me tell you what happens. <clears throat> Paul, yes, they go berserk, but because Jews who have become Christians that are still living in Jerusalem foresee the Jews going berserk when they hear of Paul being in town. They say, hey, look, let them know that you're not against the law. Um, pay, we have all these guys that are under an Old Testament Levitical vow called the Nazarite vow. They're fasting. They haven't cut their hair. They haven't drunk wine, etc. They've devoted themselves specially to God for the season. Like, go into the temple with them and pay. There's a part of that was there was a tax that was, there was a, something that was paid to the priests to the temple to sort of finish that vow. <clears throat> pay that for them, bring them in, and show that you approve of these things, and um, that you're not opposed to the law, you're not opposed to Moses, you're not opposed to circumcision. <laughs> and uh, you're not opposed to these customs as such, uh, per se, <clears throat> in and of themselves, that is. And uh, and then they'll see that you don't hate Judaism, you're seeing, you see... Um, what, what we know, I know, is the Christian faith, you know, with Jesus as the Messiah, as the, as the thing to which the Jewish faith points, <coughs> its culmination point, the whole purpose for it. <coughs> so he does that gladly, listening to the counsel of <clears throat> that's given to him by fellow Jewish Christians, and, and, and then they, the Jews go berserk anyway. It doesn't work. So, but embedded in that first part, um, in the willingness of Paul to do all this is our principles like this. Um, there's no need to offend people unnecessarily, to flaunt your freedom. Tied to that is we have a freedom not to express our freedom. We don't need to be circumcised. Paul was glad <clears throat> to see certain people circumcised um, in order to preach, to be among them without offense and to preach the gospel more effectively, if that's what it, what it meant. Um, being all things to all people so that some might be one. I mean, Jesus submitted himself to the law, and this is a bit different because he did it in order to keep the law in our place, but he gladly submitted himself, this is in Galatians, to the law, even though he didn't have to, 
as a man, um, he was free not to, but he did it, showing that the law is good, and he fulfilled it in our place for us. So he did that out of freedom, though, not out of compulsion. And we get to follow his example. So when I'm, for instance, let me apply that, like if I'm with my Muslim friends, I'm not going to eat bacon. Why? Because I'm not free to in, um, in the faith that Christ has brought me into and the new life that I have in him. No, I am free to, but I'm free not to because I know that I'm free to. You know what I'm saying? I don't have to flaunt that freedom. And I want to be accommodating, amenable to my Muslim brothers so that I might be able to preach the gospel to them instead of just defending them. And then they're not, they're not going to hear a word I say. <clears throat> and man, when you choose not to eat bacon or whatever it is, I've eaten bacon in front of Muslim friends. I'm just using that as an example. Sometimes I don't. <clears throat> um, or some, I don't, I won't drink wine or alcohol in front of them or whatever it is. They will, they know, they know what your freedoms are and they know that you're doing that to respect them. And, and that can go a long way. That's what Paul's doing here. Um, so we're not offended unnecessarily. We should be, Christians should be the least offendable people in the world, but so often in our little part of the world anyway, we're the most offendable, the most offended. It's absurd. It's, it's, it should be the opposite. We should have, we should forgive and forgive and forgive 77 times seven because we know how much we've been forgiven. We should be able to turn the other cheek. We should not be offended um, because Christ was not offended by us. Rather, he went to the cross for us and gladly paid that price with a smile on his face to, to set us free. So <clears throat> that spirit, his spirit ought to be in us in that way. But then lastly, like I said, religion hates Jesus. That's all over this text. But there are a lot of other things embedded here that are really helpful and instructive for the Christian life. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of context here, but we should have covered it in house church. These, these podcasts, these short messages are really sort of to round out what maybe wasn't said in house church. I'm only in one house church per Sunday, obviously. I'm, um, I'm not omni, omnipresent, but um, I can kind of take what we've talked to, take the notes that I've sent out to all the house church leaders and, and what, what I've heard in our house church and what we've talked about, and then sort of try to, to fill in things that weren't said or to put, a, to put in a few illustrations in there and a few applications. Um, so that's what I try to do. So a lot of this stuff was already talked about, um, a lot of the helpful context. But I think I just want to finish with, um, I, I think I want to finish just with sort of picking that, illustration of um, reaching out to Muslim friends <clears throat> and, and close with an illustration that my mentor told me about a month ago um, about a man in his congregation who is a medical doctor, I think, and he met and befriended a Muslim man who has a health condition that prevented him from fasting during Ramadan, which finished last month. Uh, and Ramadan is you Muslims during daylight hours fast from food and water completely. Any liquid, any food, they don't eat it during sun, day, daylight hours. So it's incredibly physically demanding. <clears throat> and this upset this devout Muslim man a great deal that he couldn't, he couldn't obey the fast because he believes that God calls faithful Muslims to that and he wanted to do it, but it imperiled his life, so he couldn't do it. So that upset him. The Christian doctor, um, who's a member of my, my mentor's church, said, I will fast for you. And he did that for a whole month. He didn't do it because he had to. He didn't have to. And he's free in Christ not to. Um, 
he fasted free from the need to, to fast because Jesus had freed him and kept the law for him and died as a cursed sin bearer in his place. So, so he could fast in his freedom in Christ to show this man the beauty of Christ. And it's, apparently it's working. So um, pray this man, Muslim man comes to Jesus. Can you imagine how loved he must have felt? Um, and when you're fasting out of freedom as opposed to compulsion, man, it shows in a lot of ways, in a thousand ways it plays out to steal a phrase from Gerard Manley Hopkins. <clears throat> Christ plays in 10,000 places, and indeed he does when we live these kind of lives. So consider how you might put aside your freedoms that Christ has won for you in similar ways because you're free so that others might find freedom um, in your life um, and be led to Jesus, the freedom that only Jesus brings. Um, and again, remember these principles uh, that are really embedded in this text that um, we don't want to offend unnecessarily. We want to be all things to all people so that by but by all means, some might be one. And uh, we we have the freedom to not express our freedom. So God bless you.